Has anyone ever played the game I have never before? I have three solid go-tos in that game, but I'm sorry to say I lost two of them a couple weeks ago. A good story takes us on a journey. It reminds us of where we've been and shows us where we could go. A good story makes us feel and inspires us to act. Welcome to the Good Story Podcast, where everyday stories that make you laugh, cry, or feel slightly uncomfortable will leave you inspired as Kirsten King tells true stories and teaches truth. I don't want to assume that everyone has played the game I have never, so I'll briefly summarize it here at the get-go. The party host or their relative who usually finds themselves planning the game time, stands up and says, we're going to play the game I have never. They might hand you a small Dixie cup with some M&Ms in it, or they might make you put your hands up with 10 fingers displayed, or they might be super cutesy and artsy and have some Pinteresty way of setting the game up. But whatever they do, the premise is the same. You go around the room and take turns saying the phrase, I have never, and then you fill in the blank with something you have never done that you hope everybody else has done. Because if you say, I have never, and they have, they need to, in this case, let's use the finger illustration, they need to put a finger down. As soon as all of somebody's fingers are down, they are out. The last person with one finger at least standing is the winner. And usually when they win, they say something like, oh man, I need to get out more, ha ha ha. Or clearly I haven't done much with my life, ha ha ha. And everybody laughs their courtesy party laugh and the rest of the party commences. Sometimes the game can be irritating. Like every once in a while, you have the guilt-inducing person saying things like, I've never raised my voice while driving. Or I've never had a speeding ticket. And then you get to announce to everybody that in fact you have. Other times, you may have been playing with somebody with a personal vendetta. I've never had Kirsten as my name. And you're like, come on. But generally, it's pretty fun. Before I get to the rest of our story today, I do want to give you a strategic tip. If you haven't played this game before, and you suddenly find yourself at a party or work deal or neighborhood gathering or family get-together where that's the icebreaker, make sure the first thing you say right out of the chute is, I have never played, I have never before. That's certainly going to be a winner, I bet. My top three go-tos in this game have always been, I've never had a cavity, I've never had alcohol, and I've never had Novocaine. Sometimes people get irritated when I use both the cavity and the Novocaine deal because they're like, these go hand in hand. You said the same thing. And then I have to defend myself and say, well, has anybody here had Novocaine for a reason other than a cavity? And always at least one person raises their hand and I'm like, boom. So obviously you can sometimes also play with somebody who pushes their point and is irritating like me. But good news for all of you. A couple of weeks ago, I had my first cavity. I had no idea I had one. My tooth didn't hurt. I had no sensitivity. But one night I was eating a ginger snap cookie made with real molasses and ginger by Nabisco. They're sold in a yellow box. They're often on a shelf near the Nilla wafers. But... Don't judge them by the company they keep. Just letting you know where you can find them in your grocer's aisle. They are so good. This story is just not about blaming the cookies. I'm trying to give them a pass. In fact, I'm encouraging you all to try them if you like ginger snaps. 
Kenny's more of an Oreo guy, so he doesn't appreciate them the way I do, but that's okay. He has other redeeming qualities. So back to the story. This one night, I was eating my cookie and crunched down, or one of my cookies, I should probably more accurately say, and I crunched down on my back left molars. Nothing hurt, nothing felt weird at first. So I kept eating cookies. Nothing stopping me from a good ginger snap. But after a bit, I did feel the need to get a toothpick because something felt like it was stuck in my tooth. I felt something a little sharp. I worked at it a little bit and I was like, no, that's not it. I still feel that sharp thing. And it was bugging me. And you know how you can't discipline your tongue to keep away from the pain, even though you want to so badly? Wait for that lesson to show up again. But it's so true. Yeah, I kept doing that. Kept going back and back to the pain until eventually I made my way to a mirror and checked it out. I wouldn't say I freaked out because that sounds a little over dramatic, but I would say I nearly freaked out and was just regular dramatic. I saw that a piece of my tooth had cracked and beneath it lurked a little dark spot. My heart started racing because clearly this was a problem. I brushed my teeth like I was making a video for proper dental care, if there are videos for that. In fact, if there are videos for that, perhaps if you heard last week's good story, you know that I have almost made a TV commercial experience. So, you know, let me know if you need me to do any recording or almost recording. And of course, I flossed around my tooth too. But when I looked at it again, my tooth was still cracked and the little black spot was still there. Ugh. Dang it. <laughs> so that wasn't leftover cookie stuck in my mouth like Captain Crunch. Oh my gosh, this has to be what a cavity looks like. So of course, Google image search commences, which I don't recommend. I went from, yeah, that looks like it could be a cavity to, oh my goodness, that is so freaky. I do not want my tooth to get that bad. It needs to get fixed immediately. So then I began my Google search for dentists who fix cracked teeth. I found a great one. I looked at the website. They said they had modern dentistry with innovative solutions and a neighborly feel. Yes, please. I want an innovative solution. I want modern dentistry. I didn't know where they would bring me back to otherwise. And neighborly feel, okay. I called, left a message, and right away, early the next morning, somebody called me back. I told them my symptoms or problem or situation or whatever you call it. I told them I had a cracked tooth that was super sharp now and that I was pretty sure I had a cavity, but told them I haven't had one before, but I was pretty sure this was it because I Google image searched. I also said that maybe I was freaking out just as much about that cavity as I was about my cracked tooth. By the way, their website also said you can rely on their team if you have a cracked tooth and that they will get you in quickly to identify and treat the problem. Those were just the things I needed to hear. And that's exactly what happened. I was asked to fill out a bunch of online forms that morning and then drove the 10 to 15 minutes to the clinic. I quickly got seated in the dental chair without any wait time at all. I met the dentist and the dental assistant. I had also thought about something as I was driving there and parked my car and I thought, man, I gotta remember to say something about this. So very quickly, I let them both know that I drove myself there and I asked if that would be a problem. They looked at me kind of strangely, I thought. Not that they looked strange, but they were looking at me like I was a little strange, and maybe I was. I could tell they needed more information, so I said, I'm just not sure if I'll need Novocaine or what you're going to do to my tooth, but 
I didn't think about that until I parked my car. So I was just wondering if it's okay if I drive afterwards. They smiled. They both had beautiful teeth, by the way. So phew. And I could tell they were trying not to laugh. And then they assured me that was not going to be a problem. So I said then out loud, okay, it might not be obvious, but I think it is now. I've never had Novocaine before, and I just wasn't sure if it affected a person's driving. Inside, I said, now that I think about it and think back to that movie Skipping Christmas when Tim Allen had Novocaine, I think he still had his wits about him. He just had a problem eating or something. I had a few x-rays taken, which honestly, the gag factor there is worse than anything. After that was completed, the dentist came back and said, if I wanted to, he could get this cavity out and fill my tooth right away and we could get it all done in one day. That sounded great to me. He then asked me a couple more questions and started poking around a bit, but pause, quick pause here. If listening to dental stories makes you queasy, I want to assure you and let you know that there's going to be no descriptions of sounds or pain or anything because spoiler alert, there really wasn't any of that happening. Mostly, I will talk about our conversations and results. As I was saying, <laughs> the dentist started poking around a little bit and asked me if I was in pain. I'm like, uh-uh, no. He asked me if anyone ever said I grind my teeth. I said, absolutely, uh-huh. Because in college for a couple of years, I actually had to wear a mouth guard. I think it was stress. And I added, I don't think I got an oral. He then said he was going to give me some Novocaine and said, this might hurt a little bit. I told him, okay, no problem. And I went on to say that I actually have a super high tolerance for pain, which I do. And then I said that I actually have a super low tolerance for, I don't know what's happening to me. So there's that. He said he'd explain what was happening along the way and started giving me Novocaine, which I have to say did not hurt one bit at the time. He announced when he was done and said now he was going to get to work on my tooth. He told me, if you feel any pain at all, let me know. I told him I would. And then I argued with myself a little bit about whether or not I was going to let him know about a symptom I was currently experiencing. My rather safe than sorry side of myself was arguing with the, this is probably going to be another dumb question side of me. But pretty soon my, if you see something, say something part of me kind of teamed up with the better safe than sorry. And so they won and dumb question did not win. So I spoke up. Okay, I just want you to know that this might be another question on par with, can I drive with Novocaine? But I am having a hard time swallowing and it feels like my throat is swelling up. I'm guessing it could be a normal reaction to Novocaine, but also I was thinking, could it be that I'm allergic to Novocaine and I'm having an anaphylactic reaction? <laughs> well, like I said, better safe than sorry. It was normal. He assured me it was the Novocaine. And props to them for not laughing at me while I was there still. <laughs> Eventually, the cavity was removed. The filling was in place. However, when I felt the filling with my tongue, it felt like my tooth was twice the size that it once was. I'm like, this is not going to be okay. The dentist had his back to me. So I said, um, excuse me, I'm super glad that cavity is gone, but like this tooth feels twice the size it was before. Is that normal or is that related to the Novocaine? He spun his chair around and handed me a little piece of carbon paper to bite on. He said, just checking the fit and we'll finish the work. Oh, 
apparently we still had some more stuff to do. <laughs> so I asked, like, how hard should I bite it? Because you know I can really grind on this if I have to. He was like, how about a solid 60%? Bite checked, finishing work was done, and I was out the door. I actually went up first and asked if I could make cleaning appointments for both Kenny and me to come back later for regular cleanings. I called Kenny on my way home to tell him all about what it's like to have Novocaine, even though he already knew. I felt like I invented it or discovered it. I mean, my throat, it feels like I can't swallow. I can't feel my face. I tried putting on chapstick and I had to watch to see if I was even hitting my mouth. I can't chew gum because I might bite my cheek. And I told him I'm about to meet a student at a coffee shop. I don't want to gross her out. Also, I told him the good news. They were so nice there. And guess what? I made appointments for us to have cleanings there too. That's a story for another day. Actually, it's a story for next week. I want to pause here, though, and reflect on some thoughts I had while in the dentist chair that weren't related to anaphylactic shock or teeth grinding. I actually was thinking about the body of Christ during my filling experience. The rabbit trail of thought began with this. I could never be a dentist. I could never be a hygienist. I don't think I could sit here with my hands in somebody else's mouth. But I was so thankful, like so thankful that they could do that. In fact, at one point, I thanked my dentist for going to dental school. I was like, thank you so much for going to dental school and wanting to be a dentist so that when somebody cracks their tooth, they can call you and you can fix it. I said I was grateful somebody had expertise in this area and what a blessing it was to live in a place where we could Google and call and get in and get helped. And that was about all I could say because, you know, from then on, I'm sitting there with my mouth wide open, unable to talk. So then I just kept on thinking about it. You know, I said to myself, this is kind of like the body of Christ. We're all needed. We all have gifts and we all can and should be using them to help the body. This is true, not just even in the local church setting, but in the capital C church setting as well. We should be working together, doing what God has gifted and called us to do to help those who are in need particularly if somebody is suffering. Perhaps if someone is suffering, someone who is hurt, they can't stop going back to the pain. That was what I was thinking about the night before when I couldn't make my tongue avoid the sharp part of my tooth. Why don't I just quit doing that? My dad used to say that. He was a doctor and growing up, I would say, Dad, it hurts when I do this. He'd say, stop doing that. Like, oh, okay. So when we think of somebody suffering, it's like, huh, why don't I just quit feeling that? I know it would be better for me. I know refeeling the pain isn't helping me. I know my tooth is oblivious to fact that it's causing me pain, but I can't stop. Listen carefully. This might describe someone you know, someone who's suffering with pain who keeps going back to it, or someone you love, or it might be describing you. And if you are part of the body of Christ, I want you to know when one part of the body suffers, we all suffer. And we all should be tuned in to this one who's suffering so that we can come alongside. Let me read from 1 Corinthians 12 for a minute. I'm going to start at verse 12 and I'm going to read through verse 31. Paul's writing to the church at Corinth. For just as the body is one and has many parts and all the parts of that body, though many, are one body, so also is Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, we were all given one spirit to drink. Indeed, the body is not one part, but many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body. 
It is not for that reason any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body. It is not for that reason any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But as it is, God has arranged each one of the parts in the body just as he wanted. And if they were all the same part, where would the body be? (laughs) As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye can't say to the hand, I don't need you. Or again, the head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that are weaker are indispensable. And those parts of the body that we consider less honorable, we clothe these with greater honor and our unrespectable parts are treated with greater respect, which our respectable parts do not need. Instead, God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the less honorable so that there would be no division in the body, but that the members, listen, but that the members would have the same concern for each other. So if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. If one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now you are the body of Christ and individual members of it. And God has appointed those in the church as apostles, prophets, teachers, miracles, gifts of healing, helping, leading, various kinds of tongues. Are all all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all do miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? No. That desire the greatest gifts. And I'm going to show you an even better way. And then he goes on to 1 Corinthians 13. And what's the better way? Love. He says, hey, if this is your gift, but you do it without love, if this is your gift, but you do it without love, love's the greater way. Seek love. Here's what I started thinking about as I sat in that chair, being grateful that somebody went to dental school to get my tooth fixed. I started thinking, you know, Jesus, please help me see the one who was hurting in the body. It's been me before. It will be me again. Let me look closely at my friends and at those who cross my path and see them with care and an open heart. Let me not look just in my local church body and at those who are are sitting around me, but let me look broader as well. Because in the previous chapter, 1 Corinthians 11 and in other portions, Paul was addressing some specific issues in a specific context in the specific church in Corinth. But When Paul starts out chapter 12 with, now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed, we can be certain he is sharing, what he's sharing there is applying to all of us. The gifts of the Spirit, that was not just something Corinthian church specific. Brothers and sisters, that spans time. Paul says, don't be uninformed. None of us are supposed to be uninformed. The Spirit gives gifts to all. We are supposed to be certain that what was written there applies to us all. There are different gifts, same spirit. There is diversity and unity, both, in the body of Christ. The spirit forms the one body. Whether Jews or Gentiles, we are all given the same spirit. We are all now one body. Therefore, if anyone in the body suffers, and I mean big capital C church, suffers, not just even our local church. If anyone in the body suffers, yes, it could be the person next to you in your chair at church. If they're suffering, come alongside of them. But also, if there is any other member of the body, or hear me out, any group of persons in the body of Christ that suffer, we suffer too. And it becomes our calling and our duty to use whatever gifts God's given us to walk alongside of the one or the ones who suffer. We don't quit. 
even if it takes a while. Even if the one who suffers, you look at say, hey, they keep going back to what's making them suffer, like a tongue to a sore tooth. We don't judge. We don't write off. Instead, we use the gifts the Spirit has given us, just like the dentist used his professional gifts to help me when I was helpless to help myself. We use the gifts the Spirit has given to us to help others who suffer. And we suffer as they suffer. We need to pray for opportunities to do so. We need to ask the Lord to help us see who is hurting. We need to ask the Spirit to prompt us for ways to help and then give us the ability to do so. What a beautiful gift, really, to a hurting world if the body of Christ would function at full capacity and use its energies to then reach those who have yet to hear the good news of Jesus. Oh, use us, Lord. (laughs) Awaken your church. Bring health to the body so we can function in a way that brings glory to God and brings others into fellowship with their Heavenly Father as well. Use us. Let us seek to serve. Let us look for ways to lay down our lives and to persist in prayer on behalf of others who may be suffering. Let me seek to serve. Let me look for ways to lay down my life and persist in prayer on behalf of others who may be suffering.